and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode 363. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave here in Louisville, Kentucky. A very warm uh, cave, and I love it. And, you know, uh, we'll say this is the time of year, folks. The bug zapper is on. You might hear some bugs meet electric death. And uh, also, I have a cricket in the cave tonight. It seems to be around this time of year, every uh, year where I get like a Jiminy Cricket decides to be like a co-captain of the show. So you may hear uh, (laughs) this really loud cricket in the background sometime during this episode. He's actually shut up as soon as I hit record. So maybe he's maybe he's actually being polite tonight. But uh, uh, he was he was pretty loud right before I hit the record button here. But uh, this is a solo show. And uh I got that's a listener interaction thing, you know. So I've got some um, some some cool stuff to get to here. Uh, first off, I got an email from uh, Mr. Michael Rosso from the FPP, the Film Photography Project, the Film Photography Podcast. He says, "Hi, Mike. I hope all is well with you and your Louisville gang." Latest video. I mentioned your music for productions at about the seven minute mark, and he gives me a link, and I will have that link in the show notes. Uh, and it, this was a, a hugely uh, awesome thing for me man like uh uh he um he did a video on the film photography podcast youtube channel uh just do youtube film photography podcast and he has a new video out mr mr rosso the godfather of the film podcasting uh uh, community (laughs) has a new video out called eight millimeter super eight 16 millimeter basic digital editing sound effects tips and uh, this is a really, really good video for any of you all wanting to get into movie film. And uh, so, uh, you know, I've done a little movie film uh, in, in the past, and I, I've yet to kind of add uh, sound effects or, or music to my <laughs> to my Super 8 video from Florida a couple years ago. And the, the, the movie film I shot last year in Florida, I still haven't finished. I finished one cartridge. I still have another one. It's like half done. So I need to finish that and get that sent off to... Uh, the fine folks uh, at uh, FPP to uh, you know develop and scan for me. So, uh, but uh, he gives it like a really good basic uh, video on how to like edit your movie film uh, scans, the digital scans you get back, and then where to find um, sound effects for free to add like a little life to the videos because you know movie film is silent, so you can add a little life to these uh, movie film videos uh, with some free sound effects that he shows you where to go to and how to get and even how to put into your videos. But it also mentions where you can get some free music uh, for your movie films or any productions. Actually, this this would apply to any production, but uh, apparently uh, Moby, uh, the, the artist Moby, has uh, some free music uh, as long as you're not monetizing it in any way. So um, uh, it's going to be hard for me to compete with Moby, but, <laughs> but, but Mr. Rosso did actually mention my Bandcamp on his video, uh, uh, MikeGutterman.Bandcamp.com, where I have a lot of uh, free music up there, uh, royalty-free music under a Creative Commons license for anybody that's doing uh, any sort of productions that they can, you know, feel like they need some music for. It's it's up there uh, uh, for your for your for your use. Oh, there he is, Jiminy Cricket's back. So, uh, but <laughs> and. Uh, so uh, I was just super excited about it and uh, I was blown away and it was kind of very timely because I think it was last week I put out a new album on my Bandcamp. Uh, I think it's volume six background music for productions. Uh, so if any of you guys out there are doing any uh, YouTubing or uh, podcasting or anything where you need some some uh, music or even doing some uh, some Super 8 film shooting, you need some music to um 
kind of elevate it. I don't know if my music will elevate it, but you, it's there for for that. And but I was uh, super excited that uh, Mr. Rosso was uh, gracious enough to give me a, give me a plug on on a video on their uh, YouTube channel, Film Photography Podcast on YouTube. Again, the video to look for is, is it just came out uh, I don't know a couple days ago. Uh, eight millimeter, super eight, 16 millimeter, basic digital editing, sound effects tips. A good um, good way to, to learn how to you know edit your uh, your movie film. Uh, uh, movie film films so, <laughs> uh, but very very cool and I think it's going to be a good resource for somebody wanting to try movie film if you haven't tried it yet I recommend it man I loved it and so it was just a, a real blast to do it's something I am going to continue to do in the future uh, we actually uh, booked another Florida trip uh, in August and uh, I'm certainly going to take some movie film uh, uh, for my third year in a row down there so uh, I just I just really enjoyed it uh, uh, speaking of my uh, my band camp, I got a, a really nice message from uh, Billy Sanford, uh, who actually bought uh, one of my albums. He bought like my acoustic album. Uh, you don't you can get it for free, but Billy uh, graciously donated uh, uh, some some cash to the to the coffers <laughs> on this. And he says, um, "This is I get a little message uh, uh, email. It says, Hi, Mike, working on something for Sunny Sixteen Presents.'" And definitely wanted to include some of your mellow acoustic grooves in the background. I'll be sure to point the listeners your way. Thank you for putting these collections together. And I hope the little bit in the tip jar helps Billy Sanford. Uh, Well, thank you so much, Billy. Uh, I can't wait to hear what you're going to do for Sunny 16 Presents. If you haven't uh, subscribed to the Sunny 16 Presents feed. They're doing a lot of things where like listeners can actually submit an episode. It's like a way for you to have your own podcast uh, without having your own podcast. You can just submit it to them. They'll put it out on their channel. And uh, so a very cool thing that Sunny 16 is doing with their Sunny 16 Presents feed. And Billy, I'm looking forward to hearing what you do for the Sunny 16 Presents. And when it comes out, I will be sure to uh, promote that here on uh, Negative Positives. And uh, thank you so much, sir, for uh, for you know, uh, wanting to use some of my music and whatever you're going to do for Sunny 16 Presents. Uh, just makes me uh, makes me kind of makes me pretty happy. <laughs> I just love it. Like, you know, folks, like uh, m- most of my creativity lately has been going towards music. I'm sure you guys have realized that uh, not so much photography. I've, I've have shot some photography in the last couple of days, but nothing major, mostly like family stuff. Uh, my youngest son is celebrating his his 14th birthday. So uh, a little bit of photography of that. But uh, but, you know, I've really been concentrating on this music thing. Uh, and it, when somebody in this community uses it for any of their productions, it's just that's like exactly what I uh, had in mind for it. And so it just really is uh, rewarding when uh, when uh, I can create something that helps people with their creations. So uh, that's been kind of my whole impetus to do this. But uh, so, OK, um, speaking of Sunny 16, uh, <laughs> uh, they made a call out for uh, people to send graham uh birthday wishes like i think it was last week it was graham's birthday and uh if you haven't checked it out uh they had a great episode episode 248 of the sunny 16 podcast with none other than mr mike caputo i mean you know we we had him on and uh he's talking about but this uh this particular episode of sunny 16 he really dives uh, uh has a lot more time to dive deeper into his uh, uh america 50 uh st- 50 states on film right I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Something like that. You know what it is. Uh, And uh, uh, so he really kind of talked about um, the creation of that uh, awesome photo book that I've mentioned many times on the show. And he mentioned when he was on the show as well. Uh, So it's a great episode. And that would be, you know, that's fine. And I mean, it was great. And but then some people sent birthday wishes to Graham. So I decided I needed to send Graham a birthday wish. uh, And (laughs) because I I don't know if I'm sure I've said this on the podcast, but uh, the Sunny 16 
was extremely helpful to me in the early days of my podcast uh giving me some shout outs had me on at one point and my audio was terrible when i went on on their uh, their episode a long time ago and uh but they've been very supportive of me and this podcast and you know i've i've i'm always uh i'll never forget it and i'm always super appreciative of the of the fact that they were uh you know just kind of on my side and and helped out a whole lot in the in the early days of this show so uh, uh so i thought you know I, I gotta send graham a birthday wish right so i <laughs> I, uh, being in, in my music phase right now, I, I wrote him a song. So I'm going to go ahead and insert that, this song here uh, in case you haven't heard it. But you need to go listen to episode 248 of Sunny 16 uh, podcast because the episode with Mike Caputo is awesome. Uh, but in case you haven't heard it yet, uh, you know, I'm going to put uh, <laughs> this little song that I did for Graham. Uh, here's a little, um, uh, I guess, explaining it. <laughs> the, the day before I recorded this, my wife and I pulled up like Megadeth. You remember the, the band Megadeth, right? I never liked them because the music I sometimes could dig, but I hated the guy's vocals. Uh, there was one particular song that always made me laugh, and he was like, Hello, me. Meet the real me. And I always just thought it was so childish and, <laughs> and just horrible horrible lyrics. And that's why I could never get into Megadeth. Well, this was on my mind uh, <laughs> when I recorded the song for Graham. And uh, also, uh, I've never been a singer uh, in any band I've been in. Certain, no one would ever ask me to be the singer of a band because I cannot sing. <laughs> and you'll you'll soon discover that. <laughs> but this is the first time I've ever screamed in a in a song. And uh, and I kind of surprised myself. Maybe I should have been in a hardcore band back in the day. I don't know. But uh, you be the judge. I'm gonna go ahead and insert it here, and then we'll get back to some. Uh, I'll get back to. Uh, I'll stop uh, self uh, uh, promoting myself, and then get back to some good listener content. So, but here you go. Here's my birthday song to Graham. Uh, check out episode 248, where there's tons of other uh, great birthday wishes to him, uh, and also my Caputo being on there. That's that's worth the price of admission. And uh, but and even like um, uh, uh, Jeffrey Greenstein and Gabe Sachs did a birthday song for Graham as well. So you need to hear that as well. So but here's my here's my contribution. Well, hello, Governor. It's Graham's birthday. A happy birthday. stay positive and shoot some cool film photos all right if i didn't run you off of this uh, of the show if you didn't turn off the show after that atrocity then i, I applaud you and uh, you'll be rewarded with uh, some actual uh, listener content so uh, all right um yeah, wow that was uh, yeah, sorry about that i'm gonna apologize in advance or, or after the fact i guess uh but so i got an email from mr alan Ma. And uh, it's talking about NFTs. What is it like? Uh, I don't know, non-fungible tokens or something like that. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm completely confused by this whole phenomenon. But uh, his uh, group of Aussies—they uh, have a little gang, a, f- a photography gang, Pixels and Grain Collective down there. 
And when I think of them, I, I want to picture them on like some some you know badass motorcycles or whatever, riding around terrorizing uh, photography sites, uh, taking photography. Uh, but or maybe they're maybe I don't know maybe they're just on Vespas or something like that. But uh, <laughs> it's just a mental image that brings up. But but the Pixels and Grain Collective, uh, you know, a group of Aussie photographers that go out and shoot together and, uh, and you know trying trying to uh, uh, do some experiments here with this NFT uh, thing, this phenomenon or whatever. And trust me, I don't really know uh, much about it. But let's get to Alan's uh, email. Uh, he says, hi, Mike. How are you? Love the latest podcast, especially with Aussie Matt. Need more Aussies on the show. He is talking about, of course, Mr. Matt Murray from the Matt Loves Cameras podcast, who was on several weeks ago on the roundtable with Mr. Mike Caputo. Uh, so, yeah, very, very good. Um, he said, I just wanted to give you a heads up as an industry big wig influencer. <laughs> Industry bigwig influencer. <laughs> I have been called a lot of things. I don't think it's I've ever been called that. But uh, the article pasted below is going live on 35MMC on the 18th of May. Uh, that is www.35mmc.com. That is Hamish Gill's uh, awesome website. Uh, and then he continues. He says, we're talking about NFTs, something I have very little idea about. But explaining it more for photographers, if you wouldn't mind giving us a shout out or a link, uh, that would be really great. We'll let you know when the article is out from Hamish. Thanks, Alan. Well, uh, I will again have that uh, have that link uh, to that article from uh, 35MFC and the, um, uh, the the good folks at Pixels and Grain Collective for uh, their their article they did on this NFT thing. Um, I still don't understand it. And, uh, but this article may help you and I understand it. And, but also Alan had, uh, another person of their little, of their, their motorcycle film gang, uh, photography gang, <laughs> Mr. Christopher James, which he told me to call him Christopher James Bond. I think they must all have nicknames. I think it's what gangs do. But, um, uh, so <laughs> Christopher James sends in a call in kind of explaining a little bit, like a little basic on it and, uh, and a little bit about the article. But if you really want to deep dive into it, that article will be on Hamish Gills, 35 MMC, which again, I will have the link in the show notes, but let's check out what, uh, Christopher James Bond has, <laughs> has to say about this. Hi everybody. Thank you so much for the podcast and for letting me come on and have a little talk about our latest interest from the Pixels and Grain Photography Group. My name's Chris. I'm uh, an exclusively amateur photographer hanging out with some friends in Australia. And we've recently got talking to this thing that you've probably been reading about online, which are NFTs or non-fungible tokens, which are like digitally signed things that live on the internet and that you can apparently buy for millions and millions of dollars if you're so inclined. Now, a bit like buying a new vintage camera, taking it out for a spin, testing it out in different lighting and then writing about it or, or calling in about it, I wanted to treat this like a review of NFTs in the same spirit. So not myself or any of my mates, we don't make blockchain technology, we're not technical in that way, but we've played around with NFTs and I'm really interested in asking the question of the community is there something here that film photographers could take advantage of or is this just all overblown hype and nonsense or somewhere, you know, something in between? So from the top, if you don't know what an NFT or a blockchain is, it doesn't really matter because neither did we at first. And learning about it is really similar to learning how to use your first point and shoot camera. 
you know, it looks really complicated. And if you've ever given one to your friends, they'll probably recoil in horror. And really, once you know your way around it, how to set your shutter speed and where the, you know, the button is to make it all go, it's pretty straightforward. And it's exactly the same with this. So bear with me for a second. I think of NFTs as just like signing a print. So this is a way of signing one of your photography files and then giving it to someone else or selling it to someone else. There's only one of those available. There's only one that's been signed or you could sign a short run, but that's really all there is to it. If you've ever printed something, signed it and put it up for sale, then you know everything you need to know about NFTs. The difference is all these questions about how it gets signed and who knows it's your signature and how signature and how does it get transferred and that all happens on a blockchain and you know, my opinion is you don't need to know that much about blockchains either, except to know that they're fancy computer speak for something that can't be changed and is shared between lots and lots and lots of different computers. So if you can imagine a print that was certified by Christie's, that's never going to happen to one of my prints, but you know, fingers crossed, it was certified by Christie's and they verified that it was an original Chris photo and they sold it on, then that's exactly what's happening on the blockchain. But you don't have to have one particular person who does the verification. It's all done through clever computer mathematics. And of course, if you know anything about blockchains, you know that the most famous one is Bitcoin. But over the last few weeks, I think people have realized that there are actually hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different blockchains, just like there's many, many, many different types of film. So to the uninitiated, C41 and E6 and black and white films are probably all look the same. But to those of us, those of us who use them, we know they're quite different. They have to be treated in different ways and they do different things. And that's the same with blockchains. So there's one particular one called Ethereum, which is the, the chain that most of these NFTs are sold on. And really to use Ethereum a bit like your, you know, D76 or which is what I use or whatever you choose to use to develop your black and white film, you need this thing called Ether, which is a, a cryptocurrency that you use to, to make things happen on Ethereum. So that's all I'm going to say about blockchains and NFTs. In you know, There's like lots of technical details you can get into, but really if you just imagine signing a print, having someone verify it, and then selling it all online using a particular kind of developer, if you will, or, or, or Ether, then you know everything that I know about blockchains. So what Pixels and Grain decided to do was to make ourselves a bit vulnerable, I guess, because we're curious about who's spending all these millions of dollars on photographs and we make photographs and we think our photographs have sentimental value and they have value to our hobbies and our enjoyment. Maybe we record some important events in our friends and family's lives. But what our photos have never had really is monetary value or financial value. And maybe this new NFT thing might be a way to overcome some of the barriers of actually physically printing and selling our work, which is really time intensive and has a lot of overheads. Whereas you can you can sign a print uh, digitally and make an NFT for less than 100 US dollars up front, and then pretty much um, the costs go down thereafter. Although, of course, it depends a little bit how you do it. That's how we did it anyway. And so what we did was we took our most our, our first um, zine called Seascapes, which we made during the coronavirus, um, the first wave of the coronavirus pandemic in Australia last year, when we would sneak out at dawn, uh, totally uh, in you know within the rules, and we would go and shoot sunrise uh, socially distanced. 
and found that really important for us and made some work we were proud of, but was also very representative of the time. So we've put together a small um, NFT auction. Really, we don't know what's going to happen, but we're curious to know what people think. Is this a space that film photographers should be in? And if we all band together, you know, in our own ways and start trying to sell high quality work on there? Is this a marketplace we could help mature? Or is it nonsense, as we said? And we figured that if we were silly enough to ask the questions, then we'd be brave enough to um, volunteer to give it a try and maybe get some egg on our face, maybe um, prove that there is something here, maybe find some new buyers uh, in, in who have a lot of cryptocurrency and are interested in owning something real and, and beautiful made from film and vintage cameras rather than just... Um, uh, you know, digital art made only on a computer. And there's no disrespect to that. It's way beyond my talents. But there's something tangibly different about film photography, which is why we're all interested in it. So I'd love for you to let us know either through the podcast or visit our website or go and have a look at the auction. We've published a, an article on 35MMC uh, with Hamish just to talk about a little bit more what we think the opportunities might be and the risks. And um, like I said, we're really open about what this could be. And if it's nothing, then so be it. But at least we will have given it a shot. And it feels very much to me like if you've ever, you know, used film soup or, you know, expired film, it's fun. Who knows what'll happen? It might be magical. You might waste some time and money, then that's okay with me. So go along and have a look. Uh, and thanks so much. Well, thanks so much to Christopher James, or as Alan wanted me to call him, Christopher James Bond, <laughs> for that call in. Did that make sense, folks? Is it cl- all cleared up? You guys completely understand it now, right? Right? Yeah, I, I can't say I completely understand it, but the NFT thing, but I do have a, a it did kind of clear some things up for me. And I'm sure it, I, I took a, like a brief look at the article on 35MMC, and it's definitely more of a deep dive into it. So if you want to check it out, uh, be sure to, to, if you're interested in this sort of thing, uh, definitely check out the article. Again, the link will be in the show notes. And uh, thanks to the Pixels and Grain uh, guys for uh, uh, kind of uh, bringing up something that, like, honestly, I couldn't talk about this at all. I have no idea. It's, it's way outside my room. I can barely uh, keep up with, like, our Instagram account, which is why I have people help me with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, as far as me, like, you know, I, I sell photography at art shows uh, with people walking around uh, drunk, drinking beer, and, and there's a porta pot next to our exhibit. And uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I think I'll continue to, to do that. But, hey, if the pixels and grain guys start making money hand over fist, uh I'm going to I'm going to be uh, uh, in their ear about, hey, hey, uh, tell me about this. Uh, like, help me, help me here. Help me here. Because, I, I, you know, everybody <laughs> a little little cash goes a long way. Right. For your photography and buy, buy more film, more cameras. There you go. So uh, but thanks to those guys, uh, Alan Ma and Christopher James for uh, kind of bringing this to our attention and and uh, trying to help us out to understand this uh, and giving me a little I got a little tiny bit better grasp of it now and i appreciate that so okay well i think that's going to be it for uh this first segment uh we're going to take a break and we come back in the second segment we'll have a uh solo show interview from roxana angles she is going to be interviewing the photographer anomi and uh so we will check that out right after this break uh so hey folks we'll be right back
NPP listeners, it's Roxana here bringing another segment where I bring to light amazing film photographers in our community. Today is another warm and sunny day here in Southern California where the weather never changes. Um, but do I have a treat for you? This photographer is incredibly cinematic, is making major creative waves in our community. They are the found, one of the founding members of the new film IG account, the Film Sorority. Also a, a founder of the Happy Face Film Lab. And not to mention, uh, has a gorgeous, gorgeous print shop that I just ordered a print. Please welcome Anomi. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm super excited that you're here and uh, I can't wait to dive in to uh, your process and all about film photography. Of course, of course. So uh, where are you from? So I'm actually from a small town um, called Highland. It's in the Inland Empire. So not too far from LA, like an hour and a half, but I currently reside in San Francisco. Oh yeah, you're you. Um, that is not very far away from Palm Desert, actually, from where I'm at. I know that area well, <laughs> <laughs> and I love San Francisco. Completely jealous. That is a beautiful land where you live. And it's we actually have good weather today. It's nice and warm. <laughs> Excellent. I remember going to San Francisco one time during the summer, and I could not believe how freezing I was in the summer there. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into film photography? So I... I always dabbled with it, um, you know, growing up, being a 90s kid, it was like that was part of life, having the disposable cameras. But I had a resurgence with it. Um, a few years ago, I went to a concert um, with one of my favorite artists, and she had a tour photographer with her that was using, like, a point and shoot, and I saw her results on Instagram, and I was like, wow, this is, like, really amazing. I want to do something like this. So being just a fan, you know, you can't bring a digital camera or anything into the show. So I was like, maybe I should get myself a film camera So because those are allowed in shows, and I can take it in and start taking pictures. So when I did that, I did not get the best results that I wanted at first, but it's always a challenge to come back and try it again and always, um, you know, try it with different artists and try to get the best result you can. Yeah. And, and I, you, you develop your own film, right? Yes. That's something I started doing um, around last year um, when the pandemic hit. So instead of going to, um, there's a development shop next to me here that does it in an hour, but I tried to like, since we're in the pandemic and lockdown, I was like, why don't I just start developing my own film and try and understanding that process. And to me, it's just like chemistry, like how you do chemistry in high school. Like, it's just like that. And it's such a fun process to do. 
It is so fun. I literally, right before this interview, finished developing four roles myself. I love developing. <laughs> it's fun because it is chemistry. It's like you yeah. have all your chemistry. You have your, you know, you're bringing things up to temperature. It's so fun. So yeah, much fun. And like, it's like always trying to perfect your process. Like I know the first time I was doing it, trying to put like a, um, the film into the spoolie for the 35 millimeter. That one was like so hard for me at first. Like I messed it up so many times and I still have that in my, um, in my sheets. And I look back and I look at what I do now. It's like day and night, but it's always about trying to get that right process to get the best photos you can. Yep. Were you using the metal ones or the plastic ones, the Patterson? Uh, I was using the Patterson. Yeah. yeah. I, I've noticed it's better for 120 film that those are so easy to put on. Like, that's why I love medium format. Um, 35. I'm still kind of struggling with it sometimes, but it, it it's fun to do. Yeah. Well, your work is remarkable. You might just be, <laughs> it, it just might be your thing to do medium format because your stuff is seriously so cinematic. I have no idea. It's just, it is like seeing a frame of a movie. It's just remarkable. What camera do, are you using right now with medium format? So the one my go-to is uh, Mamiya 645. I bought it from a local um, film shop here that I also did um, a giveaway with um, a few months ago. And that was my first medium form format camera that I bought. And it's, it's the best thing ever because it's so tiny, comp compact, and it has the most exposures I can get per roll. So yeah. it just comes in handy. Oh yeah, that's my first one too. I still have mine. I love that camera. That's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. And you do, you get your full 16. I mean, for 120, I've, I've shot, I do, I do both. It's like the six by six, but I love that mm -hmm. you can get 16 out of it. That's yeah. amazing. That is amazing. So, so what was okay. your first camera? My first film camera that I had bought myself was a Pentax K1000. So I had bought it um, secondhand on OfferUp. And um, I had gotten that when I was living in Highland. So I've been using that um, since. That was my first camera I took with me to shows and just trying to get my bearings into what film photography really was about not just point and shoot, but to actually know the manual functions and everything. And uh, unfortunately, um, during SF Pride in 2019, someone had bumped into me and my camera fell and the lens got dinged and kind of messed up the shutter. So I haven't been able to use that one as much but i got a replacement and it works just as well so that is my go-to slr oh that's a horrible story the poor <laughs> camera yeah <That's> terrible <laughs> mm, I, i'm glad that you replaced it though yeah 
that one's another great camera. I like how light it is. And does your light meter work inside of it? Yes, yes, it did. Awesome, awesome. I get some cameras sometimes and, you know, you have to use the Sunny 16 because no matter what battery you put in, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> So, so we do live in a digital world. And it's funny that you said that. It's like, you know, even before, but why do you shoot film in our digital world? So I would say there's um, certain circumstances to, you know, use film over digital or digital over film. Like for me, um, when we could have concerts, I would usually take my digital camera because it has, you know, the most amount of storage and speed and everything that would help me get the photos I needed by the end of the night. But with film, this is like, it really slows me down from like the fast pace of a concert where you have like only 15 minutes to shoot um, as many photos as you can to really slowing down and really thinking about your process, thinking about your uh, your composition. And for me, it like, I'm a person who's always go, 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 go. I need to do this, I need to be here, I need to do whatever, like a road runner. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this really has helped me to really slow down and think about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. So like, for example, um, there's one photo I took. Um, it was next to this place I was staying at um, last year. It's um, in front of this like brown house and it has a blue car in, in the front. Mm -hmm. And then like, if I usually, if you just walk by, you just like, just like, oh, that's, the house with the blue car in front with the big wheels, whatever. But when I really took the time to see it for what it was, looking at it through um, my viewfinder, I was using a, I also have a Mamiya RB67. So mm -hmm. I, I use that for that photo. So looking at it through the viewfinder and seeing the Mamiya colors, that that's another reason why I love Mamiya. Like it, brings a kind of cinematic feel for me what I see through the viewfinder and just seeing it through the viewfinder you're like wow this looks really magical I need to capture this instead of trying to pass by this place you see all the time so it really brings that sense of you need to slow down and take your time and really admire what's around you so that's another thing I do um just around my neighborhood or around my environment I just try to capture moments that you probably won't see again unless well not like you probably won't see it again um mm. because it's just that moment in time because like say you see a really nice looking vintage car on the side you really have to take that photo because you're not going to see that car again tomorrow or in two hours or in 30 minutes it could be gone <laughs> yeah so yeah. Or the <laughs> it's like sometimes it's so many different factors that it's absolutely impossible to recreate that exact moment exactly exactly once you capture that moment on film that's 
that's it's like signed, sealed, delivered. That's that's it. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. it's perfect that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so out of your two mamias, which one do you usually gravitate to first? I gravitate to the six four five because it's I don't have to like call around the RB67 because it's kind of, it's a little bit heavier. <laughs> yeah. So what's your favorite place for the RB? <laughs> I like to take that one on road trips actually. Um looking more at nature. That's where I that's where I usually use that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I, um, it, it can be, I, and I asked just out of personal because I, I just sold my Hasselblad because it was so, it was a little bit too big for me. I like the Mamiya six, six, um, I mean, six, four, five, just because it's so much lighter, mm -hmm. but I, I had trouble with the heaviness of it. I just, it never vibed. <laughs> I needed it's it like, vibe with me. <laughs> it's like a whole weight. Like you have, you're working out your arm the whole time. So you have to <laughs> choose it wisely. Yep, exactly. And if you're out just shooting around, it, it can, it can be a pain if it's, it weighs too much, but that yeah. or five is just the perfect one. So yeah. <laughs> any six for five yes. would be perfect because they're so compact and easy to use. They are easy to use. I, I, I'm so happy that that was my first medium format because it, that's what made me fall in love with medium format. It's, and the quality is just, it's amazing. And so, and talking, you, you were talking about your story with your Pentax and, um, and uh, SF Pride. Um, so have you ever had any other uh, crazy experiences while shooting film? Yes, this happened, um, I want to say a month or so ago. So I had moved to a new place here in San Francisco. So I was just exploring the area. And then I'm walking down the street. Someone has their window open and they're blasting um, Metallica. Um, what song was it? Master of Puppets. It was a live version of Master of Puppets by Metallica. Wow. And then... <laughs> and I'm like listening I'm like oh this is so good I feel like this is a great movie scene right now and then I turn to my left and I see this gorgeous it's a um it's like a British sports car it's a um it's a Triumph Spitfire Mach 2 made in 1965 and what? it's a two-seater and I was just like what is this here <laughs> while this music is playing? What kind of divine providence <laughs> has compelled this moment in time? Oh my <laughs> so, God. So luckily I had my camera on me and I just start shooting and I actually met the owner. Um, he was in his, uh, his place was uh, above two stories, two stories above. And he told me about the car and everything. And I was like, wow, this is really amazing. Like, thank you so much for letting me even shoot your car here. This is, it's so random to see it here, but I'm so happy it was here. And just having that moment was so surreal because one of my favorite bands is Metallica. So just to have that music playing in the background 
made it that much better. <laughs> yeah, you were part of a movie there, capturing <laughs> an essence. That is exactly that you, you that's, uh, you can't replicate that ever again. Yeah. How special <laughs> is that? That's amazing. And, uh, and recently you also, so, you have these amazing experiences. You live in this gorgeous city of San Francisco. You have events. And on top of all of this, just lately you joined forces with Danielle and Chris B for that new account that's highlighting women in film, um, the film story. So tell me, how did that even come to be? Yeah, of course. So this happened totally randomly actually i was um you know just on instagram and danielle had reached out to me and asked me if i wanted to be part of this project and i was like of course i would love to be part of looking at female artists and looking through their photos and not not only gathering inspiration for myself but also making sure that their art is on display and so far, this has, has been such a fulfilling experience and I'm really enjoying it so far. And it took um, a few times, a few iterations to get our logo together, but what we have right now is so amazing and so glad to be a part of it. It is amazing. It was, when I saw that, unveil it just it gave me just such warm vibes because it's just you know i i i like to see other people empower other people you know and yeah. that's exactly what it is it's just it's so cool that you guys are doing that and it's really just um it's it's so beneficial for everybody in the community and it it's just it's really cool so i love it so much and so and i i know we were talking about that but i was thinking while you were saying how it was inspiring to even see other people and the images that i see on your page and how amazing they are and you have your print shop any uh, any like thoughts about ever making a photo book or a zine with your work? I've thought about it. I've thought about um, whenever I go home to back to Highland to the San Bernardino area, I've always brought my cameras with me to take photos of the area to show how like I grew up in San Bernardino and that area, whenever I go back, it, looks the same as it's been since I don't know like since before I was born it it looks so desecrated and it's kind of it's kind of sad on that side that um it could be so much more that than it is and I kind of want to highlight um I kind of want to highlight the city and put it on the map to show this is this is where it is, but this is where it could be. And yeah, that's, that's one zine I want to work on. Um, it's continuing. I had a few photos here and there. Um, but 
other zines. I'm always thinking thinking about projects to do, but then I never follow through with them, which is kind of sucks. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, someone though the San Bernardino yeah. one would be really cool. I and I I mean I know a lot of the listeners may not know San Bernardino that well, but I went over, I got my degree up in San Bernardino at Cal State San Bernardino. Oh, so I, would drive I did there. too. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. We are alumni together then. <laughs> <laughs> what did you get your degree in? <laughs> yeah, I went there for my master's. I got, um, I got my master's in public administration and cybersecurity. Oh, cool. <laughs> I did too. I got, or not in that degree, but I got my master's there in school counseling. So oh, cool. I, I love Cal State Bernardino. I am so excited <laughs> that we are alumni now. <laughs> yeah, you need to work on that project. I, I really feel that. That gave me chills. You should do that. <laughs> They have so much going. I mean, I feel like it could be so much more. And it yeah. hasn't changed at all. I feel like it is a time capsule of just the same. And it's it could be so much more than what it is right now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So if and as we're coming to this time period where I'm noticing so many other people are now starting to shoot film. It's just like I just started three years ago. And in this last three years, I've seen so many people start within this time frame. where even when I just started, I could pick up my Canon AE1 for like 50 bucks on eBay. And now it's like, oh, they're like 175. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What advice would you give a new film photographer just getting into it? I would say don't be afraid to get a point and shoot when you're just starting out. You should definitely hit up a thrift store. I had found a Canon Sure Shot 60 point and shoot and I picked it up for like five bucks and I saw it on resale for like $50. That's wow. like somewhere you can start off starting at the uh, thrift, thrift stores and finding cameras and just testing testing them out and seeing what you could do with them. And also, if you already have a camera, I would suggest to get a light meter. Light meters are very important. They <laughs> <laughs> can make um, it or break it for sure. <laughs> yeah, I've, that, I've learned, um, I have... Uh, light meter on my phone like an app that was helping me um in the beginning then I switched up and got um a Sekonic light meter and I feel that has really taken my work to a different level to get accurate readings to make sure I'm composing my shot um correctly so those things making sure you have a light meter whether it be a handheld one or one on your phone doesn't matter just and following that sunny 16 rule that you mentioned earlier, those are things that will really help you, um, you know, uh, get a really good photo. And then also think about your composure or composure, sorry, your composition. Composition makes everything in the photo. 
Yes, yes, yes to all of those things. And um, light meters, if you don't know how to read light yet, is so essential until you learn to read light with your eyeballs, which takes time. And, you know, that, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. But my goodness, this has been so much fun and such a treat talking with you. Um, I am excited for listeners to uh, check out your work. Where can people find you online? So you can find me on Instagram. Um, it's by.onome, so by.onome. And you can also find me on my website. It's byanomi.com. And also I have Twitter, same handle. Nice. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I'm listeners, please check out Anomi and it, it's just everything is incredible. So thank you so much for coming on. My handle is of course at Roxanalog on everything. Um, that is that I have an account on or Galonix or my shadow account where my black and white stuff lives. Um, and everybody out there, stay positive. And shoot some cool film photos. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for being on today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Folks, we are back for the final segment, and a huge thanks, as always, to Mrs. Roxana Angles for the excellent interview with Anomi. Uh, so definitely, I will have all her socials in the show notes. So check out her work; uh, some fantastic stuff going on there. And absolutely, uh, certainly follow the uh, Film Sorority IG account, Instagram account, uh, which is the Film Sorority, all one word. Uh, also curated by uh, uh, Christine Bartolucci from the Analog Talk podcast and uh, Danielle Robleski who was uh, Roxana actually interviewed on episode 349 of this very podcast. So if you haven't checked that out, go back and check out episode 349 as well. So uh, uh, very cool stuff going on there. And a uh, huge thanks to Roxana for taking the time to do it and for uh, and to Anomi for uh, spending some time with us and uh, letting us get to know about uh, her, her, uh, her take on film photography and her process. All right, um, let's go ahead and get to a call-in camera review. Uh, another little listener interaction going on here. And so this one's going to come from Billy Sanford. And you might be like, wait a minute, you mentioned Billy Sanford in the uh, because he bought one of your uh, albums on uh, your Bandcamp page. This seems uh, a little suspicious. And actually, no, this was just uh, serendipity, folks, because I play these call-ins in the order I get them, and it just so happened that... <laughs> Mr. Billy Sanford is next up, and so I, I you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm trying not to be a sellout here. I, I am, I, I, I'm trying not to be bought or sold 
I don't know what that means, but, but it's actually just, it's serendipity, folks. I just wanted to use that word tonight because it's a word I don't get to use very often. So, uh, but, so next up, we're going to have Billy Sanford. He's going to be talking about uh, a little bit about how he got into this whole photography madness and also with a sort of the, the bonus of a review for <laughs> the Canon EOS 3. So let's uh, check out what Billy has to say about that. Hello, everyone. This is Billy Sanford. I'm at B. Sanford Jr. on Twitter and Instagram and Flickr, and you can find me in the Facebook group. Uh, today, I thought I'd call in and talk about the Canon EOS 3. Um, not as much on the technical aspects of the camera, but more just my personal experience, um, kind of the role it played in bringing me back to film and how it fits into my workflow today still. So a couple of years ago, I was at the end of a decade long photography hobby, all of it digital, all of it Canon, um, where I'd moved up from crop sensor to full frame and acquired a bunch of lenses and just the normal story you hear and are all familiar with. Um, I did a lot of shooting early on, kind of exploring the different, you know, macro or landscape or architecture or lighting and portraits and going through all those genres. Uh, but certainly the last few years, most of my photography has been shooting uh, my son and whatever athletic endeavors he's been into at the time, whether it was lacrosse or football or hockey or baseball or basketball or most recently with pole vaulting. So, of course, uh, with sports shooting, you need or, or certainly can benefit from uh, telephoto lenses that are fast and um, can handle low light situations and high ISO situations and fast action and autofocus and image stabilization and all of that sort of thing. So as I was transitioning into film, I didn't have a lot of hopes of being able to take many of those kinds of pictures, uh, you know, with the end goal in mind being that I would want uh, pictures I could make prints of and, and give them to him or... Uh, hang them up in the house, or just, you know, mementos, that sort of thing. Um, but anyway, getting back to the uh, photography journey, uh, I had kind of hit a wall on the digital side of things, uh, lacking inspiration on more than a few occasions. I left the house with my camera bag intending to go out and shoot and would just get a few miles down the road and turn around and come home uh, just not really feeling it for whatever reason so when that started happening I took some classes at a local college that offer you know seven or eight week courses in different arts and crafts or cooking or foreign languages or those sorts of things, but they had a line of photography classes that they would host, and again, those classes, you'd meet one night a week, and they would go for seven or eight weeks, and I had started taking different photography classes they offered just to give me an excuse to go out and shoot, 
for the various assignments they would give us. And again, those would normally cover your wildlife or landscape, and you would go, you know, to the zoo or wherever to take pictures that would, you know, be related to the subject of the class. But anyway, uh, they were offering a black and white film photography class, and I did not have a film camera, but it occurred to me this would be a, a good class to take. You know, maybe it would help um, put me in a different mindset and, and you know, hopefully give my images a little bit of a different look, too, as well. Plus, I knew the guy that was going to be teaching the class, and I liked him, and we got along well. So I signed up for the class and immediately jumped on Adorama and looked at their used camera selection, expecting to find, you know, 10 or 12 Canon Rebels out there, which they did have. <clears throat> but, of course, I wanted something that would let me use the lenses I already had and all that good stuff. Um, but as I was scrolling down the page, they had a Canon ES3 for about $300, and the Rebels were about $150. And so the Canon ES3 was offered from 1998 to 2007. It was sort of their second highest level of 35mm uh, full-featured SLR at the time. So I can imagine it was popular with the pros and prosumers of of the early 2000s, you know, it had what you would expect, you know, shutter speeds from 30 seconds to 1 8,000th of a second, um, ISOs from 25 to 5,000. Of course, it reads DX coding, but you can override that and set it manually to whatever you want to shoot at. You can, you know, it's automatic film advance, obviously, but you can set it to take multiple exposures if you would like. Uh, you can do auto exposure bracketing in it. Um, you can, uh, you know, set, uh, you know, the two main dials that you adjust uh, your settings, the, the smaller one near the shutter button and the larger one on the back of the camera is what you normally use to set your aperture and shutter speed. You can configure the camera to adjust those in full stops, third stops, quarter stops, that sort of thing. Um, one thing about the camera that was kind of innovative for its time and, and still is to this day in mirrorless and DSLRs is that Canon introduced a system for eye control autofocus in the camera. So it looks at your eyes, you're looking to the viewfinder and can tell which autofocus point you're staring at, and that's where it will try to focus. Um, so there's a little routine to calibrate the camera to your eye, and when I got the camera, I did try to walk through that process, and it didn't follow the pattern that the instructions said it would follow, so I kind of gave up at that point. I don't know if it works in my camera or not, or what other experiences people had with the camera it was new. Um, I never got it to work. To be honest, I wasn't really all that interested in getting it to work anyway. Um, for all of the other advantages I wanted to take uh, 
with the camera that wasn't one of them. I just thought it was neat to try and see if it would work. Um, but anyway, state of the art for its time. And again, let me use all of my lenses, my flashes, even use this the same uh, remote camera trigger that my digital camera uses. So seemed like a good camera to pick up for the class. And a few weeks later, found out the class was canceled because not enough people signed up. <laughs> Apparently, I was not the only one in Birmingham unaware that a film renaissance was taking place. So, ended up uh, keeping the camera anyway and shot a few rolls through it. Um, the class was going to focus more on the photography part than the developing and processing. Uh, there was one sort of local lab who was going to do our processing and scanning for us. Uh, that lab was run by a few retired photographers who were very knowledgeable and helpful in that regard. So when I shot the roles that I shot, I took them to those guys and they developed them and scanned them for me. Um, and I really enjoyed that process. I liked the way the images looked. Um, you know, I ended up taking a different class on architecture and took that film camera with me in addition to my digital and whatever assignments the teacher gave us. You know, I did those and turned in the ones that she had asked for, but then also took uh, film images at the same time. And, and really enjoyed it and was getting more and more into it. And then lo and behold, uh, 2020 happened. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the small local lab uh, was no longer open and able to process film. So got more into that, learning how to develop, uh, got a scanner to be able to scan them, and then ultimately uh, and larger to start learning how to print some of those images, which has been really nice and has been a, a very welcome um, diversion during these pandemic times. So, you know, that's kind of the role that the Canon ES3 played for me. I, you know, it didn't have to be that camera, but it was that camera and it did everything that I asked it to do. And in terms of my current workflow, as I've gotten back into film and with you know, my son being so active and in addition or beyond all of the artsy fartsy so-called uh, images that we like to take. It is important to me and to him uh, to take images of him doing his athletic stuff. You know, the things that are important to him are important to me as well. And so certainly those are images that I want to be able to capture um, and and ideally be able to make prints of a few of them that, that I would enjoy and that he would enjoy and that he can, you know, uh, frame and put on his wall and maybe one day his kids can enjoy looking back at what he did when he was a teenager. Um, so today the camera still has a place for me in doing that. I know that Betsy Carl has talked before about capturing football with a Rolleiflex and she has my ultimate undying respect for <laughs> attempting that. Um, for the skill level that I'm at, I, I still greatly appreciate the ability 
to kind of bump up those ISOs and use that autofocus and image stabilization. You know, it's really helped me get a lot of um, usable images. Um, still looking for some really great ones because I am still shooting digital for the most important stuff, but I try to sneak in those film shots uh, when he's doing practice jumps or something of that nature, um, just to try and to get some good ones. Uh, so, you know, I know most people listening to this would not, you know, are probably not in the market for a Canon EOS 3. The reason I mention it again, because it does play a part for me and it uh, played an important part as I was coming back into film, but uh, what I thought might be helpful to the listeners. Uh, I'm not aware of a lot of film shooters in my community, but I know a ton of digital shooters. And, you know, of course, almost half of them are Canon. So if you do know of somebody who is looking to dabble in some film, uh, the Canon EOS 3 is a fantastic option for that. Um, they are readily available uh, just earlier this week. As I was thinking about recording this, I checked KEH. They had six of them. Uh, four of them were in excellent condition. Some had the power winder and the power booster attachment, and they were all, I think, in the high 300s to high $400 um, range. So it seems like you can get a very high-end option for a lot less than, you know, some of the more revered um legacy mechanical cameras that, that a lot of us uh, tend to focus on as we've wanted to slow down things a bit. But again, if uh, you know of somebody, uh, probably most likely a Canon digital shooter who would like to dabble in some film, I think the Canon EOS 3 would make a nice, nice option. Thank you for listening, and I hope everyone's doing well. Bye. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Billy Sanford, for your uh, calling about the Canon EOS 3 and how that got you back into this wonderful world of film photography. Uh, folks, if you have anything you want to talk about in your film photography journey, whether it be a camera review, lens review, developer review, uh, something you screwed up, anything you want to talk about and let the let the fine folks hear, you can send an audio file into negpositives at gmail.com and I'll put it in the queue to get on the air. Easiest way to get on this uh, on this podcast before I ask you to come on as a guest so or beg you to come on as a guest. Uh, easiest way is like, I mean, everybody's, everybody's smarty phones has like a little voice recorder app. You can just talk into your phone and send me that file. So easy to do, folks. So uh, I'm getting, uh, I've got still got several, but I'm, you know, I'm getting not, not critically low, but I always can use them. I put them in the queue and they all get played. So uh, all right, let's uh, go ahead and start wrapping the show up. And uh, again, thanks, uh, Billy uh, Sanford, for the uh, the call in. Uh, let's see, let's get to coffee donations. Uh, <laughs> so the first one comes from uh, Richard Moore. He says, "In return for this bribe, I'd like to hear <laughs> the team." Well, this is a solo show, so I, I, so I, I'm sure that Jess, uh, <laughs> Jess Jones, and Andre wouldn't participate anyway. So I, I'll take one for the team here. He says, "In return for this bribe, I'd like to hear a team attempt one." or more of the regional accents from the UK. The usual Dick Van Dyke Mockney, Pock, Mockney Cockney ain't doing it for me as a Brit living in California. 
<laughs> I'd really like to see a Yorkshire versus Lancashire attempt, if at all possible. Well, uh, Richard, I did a little research, and uh, to be honest with you, you know my English accent uh, is going to sound the same in every situation uh, because I only have one, and it's uh, 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 the consensus is it's bad, but I think I think it's getting better, and I think everyone can agree with that. Like, but so I did a little research, re research, research. Okay, so I'm not sure which one this is. If it's because uh, I, I, I forgot to write this down, whether it's Yorkshire or Lancashire, I'm going to use, as Americans would call it, the word sure. Like, uh, Mike sure does have a great English accent. Uh, so, one of them would be uh, Mike, sh a Mike sure does have a great English accent. <laughs> That's awful. The other one would be Mike sure, sure does have a great English accent. <laughs> that was my little, little attempt at uh, those two dialects. <laughs> I mean, yeah, come on. Hello, Gavna. Mike sure does have a little good English accent. Or, hello, Gavna. Mike sure does <laughs> has a little great English accent. I, I, I think I'm nailing it, folks. I think I'm nailing it. That's the best I can do, Richard Moore. <laughs> I'm sure you are cringing as most of uh, anyone from the UK is cringing as well. So, <laughs> all right, uh, let's move on after I've def uh, offended a, a country as well. So, uh, uh, let's go with um, our other coffee donation, and that is from, uh, let's see, Mr. Theo Panagopoulos. <laughs> he says, Maybe now you might stop with the Mamiya voice. More English accents as it always annoys them. <laughs> well, that's actually uh, a good timing uh, there, Theo. Um, uh, but I mean, I, I had to continue the Mamiya voice. Mama Mamiya! And uh, I think that's actually probably better than my English accent. And I won't annoy them any further because I just annoyed them uh, seconds ago from the, the previous coffee donation. So, but thank you, Theo, so much. And thank you uh, uh, to uh, Richard uh, Moore for the, uh, the donations. All right. Um, wow. Okay. Now that the entire UK has, uh, has, uh, <laughs> has tuned out, let's uh, wrap up the show even more. Um, let's see here. I'm uh, going to have a... Uh, Listener, uh, listener music track. Of course, I do these at the end of the, all these solo shows. This will be another selection from Mr. Matt Bump from his band Valley Hill. Uh, it's one word, Valley Hill, V-A-L-L-E-Y-H-I-L-L, -L -L, one word, Valley Hill. This song is going to be called, uh, this song is going to be titled Keep Your Head Up. And uh, you will hear that after I get out the socials here. And uh, let's get out the socials. Uh, you can see me on Instagram at guttermanphoto. You can uh, join the uh, you can see my Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. You can email this program at negpositives at gmail.com. You can join the Facebook group, the Negative Positives Film Photo Podcast Facebook group. We also have an Instagram account uh, under the account named Negative Positives, mostly ran by Mrs. Roxana Angles and Mr. Casey Hall. And uh, stay tuned to the Negative Positives Instagram account. I believe Casey might have a little... A little, a little giveaway coming soon on the Instagram account. So just stay tuned uh, to the, the IG Negative Positives account for that. And uh, huge thanks to those fine folks for helping me uh, run something that I, I, I've been, I'm terrible at. So, <laughs> but, and also you can support this program on coffee. It is 
uh, www.ko-fi.com slash negative positives. Uh, and you can force me to like uh, offend the, uh, the, the fine English folks uh, with these uh, <laughs> attempts <laughs> through that as well. Uh, and uh, let's see, you can get my music on Bandcamp. It is uh, mikegutterman.bandcamp.com. And you can get some merch on, uh, some Negative Pauses merch on negativepausespodcast.bigcartel.com where you can get overpriced t-shirts, hats, and a coffee mug uh, with the Negative uh, Positives logo on them. Uh, Folks, we might not have a show next week. I'm not sure. Uh, It is Memorial Day uh, next Monday. So uh, we're going to take a week off, at least with the host. I may release a... um, a sort of lost episode of the hypersensitive film photography podcast uh, or hypersensitive photography podcast with M and Hamish. I might put that out next week. Uh, it, it, it never saw the light of day and probably shouldn't have uh, a good part of the episode was talking about things that are now uh, uh, not uh, wouldn't work from time sensitive nature. But the first part of that uh, recording was talking about gas, and I would like to say it was camera gas, but it was mostly about uh, other types of gas. <laughs> so I'm just going to leave it at that. I may or may or not have the courage to release that. It probably should see the light of day, but uh, folks, it's 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 crude, it's crass, it's uh, it may be even more crude and crass than my appearance on the Classic Lenses podcast. So uh, if you want to hear that. I don't know, maybe put something on the Facebook group demanding it or uh, send me a message demanding it because uh, uh, it's not going to be... If, if I decide to put that out next week as a filler until we can get uh, away from... Uh, back from the holiday of Memorial Day, uh, you're going to have to talk me into this because I, I, I know I'm going to get some grief about it if I put it out there. So just letting you know that that might happen next week or I might get talked out of it. And so there may or may not be... A show next week uh but we'll definitely be back after memorial day weekend so uh okay uh yeah uh folks everybody have a great week and uh let's go ahead and listen to uh matt bump's uh, band valley hill with keep your head up until uh we talk again everybody have a great week everybody stay positive and shoot some cool film photos
being faithful The kind of love I thought the maker said we're made for If it fits your bones, not any less real Don't you put it in that box, it's how you should feel Can we embrace change, welcoming the next stage Back to throwing stones like we're running out of blank pages Do we write it in hatred or can we be Gutter Man Cave Production!